Interior. Night. Recording studio. Two redheads begin pre-show warm-ups. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow leather. Jack, write that you gargle your water or something. Jack gargles some water. And then put that we say, welcome to Script Shop. Who? Me or you? Mm-hmm. You say it. Welcome to Script Shop. N- no, but like, really, say it. Like, right now. Like, right now. Let's go for it. Welcome to Scrimshaw. No, Jack. Top. <laughs> Omaha. No, Jack. Welcome to Script Shop. I'm just going to dance with my arms while you keep singing this song. Script Shop Show. Hi. Hi. Merry Christmas, everybody. Welcome to Script Shop Show. Yes. Welcome to Script Shop. My name is Allison. And my name is Jack. And we are here today sharing with you our special holiday episode. Yeah. We're super pumped about it. Christmas is a special time for me because I love wearing holiday clothes. <laughs> like dressing up like Santa? What do you mean holiday clothes? <laughs> no. Uh, well, I just mean like getting to go to Christmas parties and looking all pretty. And, oh, I got you. You know, that kind of stuff is so festive. I wasn't sure if you me meant like dressing up like Santa or like like comfy. It's funny because I'm thinking about that in like a sexy way now. Oh, okay. Yeah. I don't, maybe it's just late. But you know, then you get the family stuff with the hot cocoa and the mm-hmm. movies and you get to give people presents and all mm-hmm. kinds of great stuff. Plus all the other reasons for the season. Yes. Everything. It's great. Uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. This is our Christmas show. We've got uh, Lori Allred on the show yes. today. Who has written a Christmas-themed script called Secrets. 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 It's a 94-page feature. It's uh, family-friendly. Uh, a widowed mother's life unravels after coping with yet another loss. But things take an unexpected turn when she discovers her family secrets. It's very sweet. It's There's nothing well, sinister about no, it. This is a very it. sweet script. Yeah. So um, we'll be talking to Lori in just a few minutes. But Jack, could you kindly tell me what are some of your favorite Christmas movies? Well, I mean, I'm not going to... We were actually talking off the air about uh, people that talk about Die Hard as a Christmas movie. And I know that's Shane Black's thing. Like, he likes to write movies that are set. That's how Iron Man 3 is set at Christmas time. I'm never going to get on that uh, Die Hard as a Christmas movie train. I'm not going to get on Iron Man 3 as a Christmas movie train. I just. Christmas movies are Christmas movies, and mm-hmm. then other things can just happen to be set during the winter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get, I've get i read interviews with him where he talks about how during Christmas all your emotions are amped up, and that's why he likes to set things during that time. I mean, whatever, man. He feels how he feels, and I, I'm just not on that wavelength. Mm. I like Ernest Saves Christmas. That's one of my that all-time favorite Christmas movies. That's good. Those Ernest movies, that's right on the money. That's, that's right up there for me. Yeah, those are really funny. They scared me a little bit when I was little. Really? The Christmas one? No, but like, um, Ernest Scared Stupid scared me. It scared you stupid? Ernest scared Allison is <laughs> what it was. Yeah. Uh, Gremlins also scared me, but that's more... That's more Halloween-y. Yeah. We're in December-ween <laughs> right now. Change my mind, change my mind, change my mind. Um, I like the classic Christmases. Like, I love white Christmas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I cannot get enough of that. S- speaking of festive dressing, those mm-hmm. people dress up in all their holiday get-ups to do their dances and shows and stuff, and that's totally up my alley. Well, and actually, you know, just a couple months ago here in Cincinnati, the Carnegie Theater in Covington yes. did the Cincinnati Rose... throw up. Did the... <laughs> you say it every time. <laughs> uh, they did the, the, the Rosemary story. Oh, yes. And, you know, she figures into all the Bing stuff. With, wow. And, and it's, uh, that was, I, I saw that show at the Carnegie, Maggie Perino running the Carnegie. That was a cool show to see. Yeah. And let's see, other Christmas classics. I do love the Jim Carrey, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Mm-hmm. That one's hilarious and wonderful. 
and all the Charlie Browns are good. I could just list every single. Start talking Christmas things. Yeah, and that would be that. Well, that's the way it goes. Um, So, uh, listeners, if you have a script that's Christmas-themed or not (laughs) and would like to send it our way to be on the show, you can do so at scriptshopshow.com slash submit. And then Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, you know how it goes. We're on all those things. We uh, wrap back and forth with you, and you can wrap back and forth with us. Uh, please look us up and friend us and follow us on that. You can also leave us a rating and leave us a review on iTunes. We are also on Google Play. And whatever you're listening to us on, that's what we're That's where you can review us. On, yes. Uh-huh. So please do so. Let's get to Lori. We, I do. I want to talk to Lori because yeah. it's, it's Christmas, and I want to really find out about where this script came from. How and why. Hi, Lori. How are you? I'm great. How are you guys? Just fine. Doing very nice. Welcome to the show. Thanks for coming on. Thank you. Do you have any any uh, favorite Christmas movies or Christmas specials? Well, oddly enough, you guys didn't name my two favorites. <laughs> and I'm probably the only person in the world that would choose these two. But I love Elf. Oh, oh sure. Yes. Yeah, Elf's a good one. Cotton-headed ninny muggins. <laughs> I, love, I love Bad Santa. Oh, okay. look at you. That one's a good one. Well, you're really playing both sides of the spectrum on that. I really am. Oh, I'm people pleaser. Yeah, I love them all. Yeah. <laughs> I watched every Hallmark Lifetime of oh. every, yeah, every holiday movie they put on TV. I will sit through it. Do you have special traditions at the holidays? Um, we always have a white elephant party, mm-hmm. which our goal is no one spends money, find something really ridiculous in your closets or something you want to re-gift. And yeah, that, that's usually kind of the highlight of the season because it's very relaxing and very silly. Mm-hmm. Do you just do this so, yeah. with family members or is it like a work thing or? Uh, it's a different crowd of people every year. Oh, so cool. yeah, it's very fun. And where you're located in Colorado right now, is that correct? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you weren't born there. No, I actually, um, I was born in North Dakota, the one state that everyone says, oh, I've, I've been to 49. I just haven't made it to North I Dakota. But yes, I grew there. up in North Dakota. <laughs> really? Um, very, very small town, population 50. Wow. And um, yeah. Had never ever dreamed I would be doing anything in television or film, but here I am. Well, what happened? Yeah. Well. <laughs> well, tell us the story of your life <laughs> yeah, now. Well, this is this is the, the this spotlight's is the on you now. show. Yeah. So I really thought I was going to be uh, probably a coach and a teacher, mm-hmm. and when I was in college, uh, one of the classes I needed to take involved dissecting a cat, which I refused to do to be a coach, Mm -hmm. all those biology classes and whatnot. And um, so so I just said, what major would I not have to dissect? (laughs) (laughs) Literally anything else. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And the first one they said was, uh, well, you could do mass comm, you know, mass communications. I'm like, Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that sounds fine. Let's I have no do idea that. what that even meant, but mm. yeah. So, yeah, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because I refuse to dissect a cat. Very so. cool. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened after college? You did mass communications. Yeah, so then I was in um, television news for um, pretty much two decades. Oh, wow. Wow. And, um, and I think one decade is probably enough for anyone. I would but agree with that, yeah. It, news is tough because yes. you you have to really create a shield and almost 
separate your emotions from your everyday, you know, you see so much that if you don't, you know, it, it can get pretty depressing. I mean, people who aren't just watch the news, get depressed. Can you imagine that is your nine to five? So, um, yeah, so 20 years of that, that, that gave me a pretty thick skin. I did a lot of and do a lot of non-scripted programming as a producer, director, writer. So, yeah, it's kind of all the same, but one's really happy and one's a little depressing. Well, you know, uh, Lori, I can very much relate to it. My my nine to five day job is doing radio news here in Cincinnati. It's radio. It's not television. But in terms of everything you just described about walling yourself off and having to put up like psychological barriers and the ways that you cope with stuff, you hit the nail on the head. That's exactly right. Yeah. And sometimes you forget when you're with your non-news friends that the sense of humor that you need or the really poor humor that gets you through the day Mm -hmm. is not appropriate Yes, in most situations. And yeah, it's a real eye opener, you know? It's a weird way of coping with the world because like you're constantly finding yourself explaining to everybody how awful everything is all the time. (laughs) I mean, that's that's kind of the job, which is off, which which, it can be a rough part. I mean, there's, there's always good stories out there, but everybody always focuses on the bad stuff. It bleeds, it leads and blah, blah, blah. So where does the screenwriting part kick in for you? Well, uh, you know, I, I kind of thought about writing for a very long time and then really felt like I hadn't uh, earned it, like I hadn't lived enough to feel like I had a story to tell. I don't know if that makes sense, but I feel like, and there are really amazing young writers, so I'm not saying that, but I felt like um, just life experiences help you write. Mm -hmm. You know, you need to kind of go through some stuff, I don't know, to to really to really express how uh, one of your characters is going through something where someone will go, oh my gosh, I totally relate to that. You almost need to go through that yourself to, um, to relay it. And so I feel like hmm, I've now gone through enough life situations, aka crap, to, um, <laughs> to feel like I can write something that other people go, oh my gosh, I totally relate. Only I didn't know anyone else felt that. Yeah. So I I feel like the more you bury yourself, the more people go, oh, my gosh, I thought I was the only one who thought that. The thing is, no, we all think it. (laughs) Some of us just have to to say it and put it on paper to make everyone feel a little more comfortable with their own feelings and um, anxieties and what have you. Yeah. Somebody's got to break the ice on that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of things specifically in this script that are like very specific life occurrences. There's, you know, there's an adoption element to it. There's a, a the idea of someone who is deaf and needing sign language and just general grief and loss and relationships. How much specifically is feeding into this script that you wrote? Uh, I think there's a great deal of it that I that I get from my own life experience. Um, there's some of it that, so there, it is based around a family that has a child that is deaf and, and reads lips and signs, but does not speak at all, mm-hmm. does not have a cochlear implant, any of that. And um, I, that came from me taking years and years of sign language 
only because I thought it was beautiful. You know, I really didn't know what I was going to do with it. And the only intent was to be able to practice it. And, and actually, my very first things I did with it was sign Christmas songs like at, at church. Aww, uh, that's sweet. Mm-hmm. Because Christmas songs are really slow. And you can keep up when you're signing. <laughs> you're not very good yet. So um, that was a good start. But yeah, so through my classes, I met, like some of our instructors were deaf, which was shocking when you're in your, you know, 102 class and you're like, oh my gosh, my instructor is actually deaf. So I'm going to have to really get good at this or I'm going to fail this class. Uh, And then other people in the class would have family members that were deaf or were studying to be medical interpreters or what have you. So, you know, it was a really interesting uh, way to, to become part of a world that I just really knew nothing about. Yeah. Well, did I know that you also uh, were a paramedic for a great deal of time? Did you use your sign language at all during that during that stint in your life? It never came up. But interestingly enough, I find myself trying to use sign um, when there are no deaf people. But sometimes, <laughs> like when I travel abroad, and uh, we were in. Peru in the mountains and they speak Quechuan, which is not a written language. I don't know any Quechuan and they sure don't know any English. Mm. And, um, and I got through by mimicking because fine had taught me enough to relate to someone without words. So that was kind of interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, one more thing that you and I have in common, Lori, my sister, uh, was involved in being a sign language interpreter for several years. She's going to be a nurse now, which ties into the medical angle. And I would imagine that having the the sign experience would help, just like you said, running into situations where you need to know what the strategies of like interpreting and mimicking are. Right, exactly. Uh, the The misconception, though, is that deaf people need a hearing person's help, and they they really don't need our help. What they need is um, maybe a little assistance in medical, which I think we all need. None of us really know what the doctor is saying yeah. or understand it. Um, but that was one of the things I learned in the class is if you're here to, if you're taking the class to, to help deaf people, they don't need your help. Mm-hmm. You know, they really don't. So, um, I, and I thought that was quite wonderful to just, Really take the language because it's beautiful and um, it opens you up to a, a whole new world and, and a whole lot of people that are actually exactly the same and a little different, mm-hmm. you know. It was communicating with a deaf person. They have their own little things like a family does or like a um, uh, any ethnic community does. So it was just very fascinating to me. Did, so the sign language element was kind of the root of this story then for you. Where did the rest of it come from? Um, so there is a part in there about uh, a dog. <laughs> and oh, yeah. I like animals more than people, so I had to put an animal in my story. <laughs> but um, a friend of mine was looking for a dog for her boys, and 
trying to find just the right match. And she adopted her dog from, um, I don't know what it was called, but it was like a puppies from prison program Mm -hmm. where prisoners are, um, they kind of have to earn this privilege, but they are allowed to get a dog and train it to the point, they're strays, to the point that it's adoptable. And it's just a second lease on life for the animal. And I thought, what a what a great program. And I wonder if people even know that this program exists. And I think it exists in most states. So I wanted to include it. And then I, you know, I kind of ran with it a little bit. But I wanted to include it in the story. Any any option to, um, you know, salute the rescuing of pups, I thought was great. So. You know, yeah, you, that's where that came from. You seem very generous with your time in terms of showcasing the sign language community, showcasing this program, flipping from a, a career in the entertainment industry to being a paramedic. And I just wonder, is this kind of generosity something that was instilled in you as you were younger, or where does this come from in you? I don't know if anyone's ever said I was generous, so thank you. Um. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um... I don't, gosh, I don't even know what to say to that. That kind of takes me back. Um, mm-hmm. I don't even think I think of myself as a generous person. So we're going to have to move on to the next question because okay. I have no idea. <laughs> well, you know, Allison kind of beat me to it because the the thing that I was going to say uh, before she brought up this level of generosity that she's getting from you is that the vibe, there's sort of a through line that I'm getting of with the the sign language interpretation and the dog uh, prison trainee sort of thing, there's a lot of like triumph of the spirit thing going on with you. Where I mean, first of all, the idea that we as human beings were able to, when someone who can't hear, we figured out a way for them to still exist in the world and communicate. And then the same thing with these people in prison, they can find, you know, there's this meaning and reward in training these animals who desperately need some kind of help and attention. There's a lot of triumph of the spirit stuff going on with you. I think, and the um, character Teresa in there, which I don't think we will, I don't know if we'll talk about her at all, but she is a, you know, she's a pink-haired, tattooed, body-pierced kind of girl. And I think a lot of people would look at her and go, huh, <laughs> you know, and not, probably not engage the way they should. And she is the sweetest person in the script. And I think it is a matter of um, the whole, you know, don't don't judge a book by its cover or, you know, whether it's a deaf person or a prisoner or a pink-haired, tatted girl, it's like that's that's just the package they're walking around in, you know? That's not them. Yeah, I think that's an excellent message, and I think that's very much in keeping with, like, Christmas themes of brotherhood and, and, and fellowship and, and helping people, charity and joy. We should probably get into the script a little bit and talk about okay. uh, just some Let's of these. Let's do some beats first. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I want to lay things out before we get into the scene. Yeah, so this this script, Secrets, is about a woman named Maggie who has lost her mother. The I think the script even opens with them at mom's funeral. And right. she has a son who's deaf, and not only is she dealing with the loss of her mother, she's dealing with the somewhat recent loss of her husband as well. Right, who is a service member. Yeah. 
So she's okay. just sort of trying to find some footing. It's Christmas time. She's got this son who's deaf that she's he's starting to get better at signing than she is. And she sort of feels like her ability to connect to him is slipping away. Mm-hmm. And then she finds this key. Mm-hmm. And it sets her on this path of learning things about her mom that she didn't know, know about. about. Yeah. She, how everybody sort of has some of these, and there's there, there's secrets on secrets on secrets in this. And like I said, nothing sinister, but everyone sort of has information that they've been holding back and that they hold back as the script goes on. Mm-hmm. It's um, like a real family. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I was interested too in the in adding both of these deaths into the script, mm-hmm. and I wanted to ask what what choices informed you to add. The, the recent death of a husband and then the immediate death of the mother in this script? Um, I, so I am number six out of seven children. Wow. Okay. So, and my parents had me when they were in their 40s. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of way older people in my family uh, and so I have seen a lot of death, both in elderly and then some more in my peer group. And I think people are so afraid of everything that surrounds death. And I'm pretty comfortable only because it's been a constant companion. And, but, but there are things that happen when you lose people that... Uh, I, you, you have to experience it. There's a fog. Um, there is a manner of being led because you really can't, well, it's difficult to think for yourself because you're so within that you kind of let other people guide you. Mm -hmm. And I know as, um, the lead Maggie should be taking control and whatever, but I don't ever, well, I don't let her so much in the script because that's not someone, that's not how someone mourning would act. Mm-hmm. They would be led by everyone around them. Mm-hmm. So hopefully people will understand that um, this is normal. You know, you, you do kind of step back from your life a little bit and you do allow people to help you through it. And, and I also hope that people who have a friend or family member that loses someone understand it, they, need you, they need you to lead them. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. It's okay to jump in and take over and help. Yeah, and you've built up this supporting cast of people in this script to really help Maggie out. Her her best friend Shannon is there for her, even though she's date and trying to live this life. But <laughs> Shannon is always there for Maggie. Yeah. Yeah. And um, oddly enough, I kind of, so Shannon is actually my friend Shannon. I didn't even change her name because it's too obvious, so why bother? That's sweet. But yeah, she's a little firecracker, and um, she always has her own thing going, and uh, sometimes you, you know, you work to get a word in edgewise, which is awesome because there's never a dull moment, but um, yeah, but no matter what, She's right there. Is your friend Shannon uh, single now in real life? No. Oh, not. darn it. But, I was about to say, what's up, Shannon? No, always there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that lead in about um, Maggie kind of having some of her life just right outside her fingertips would be a great way 
for us to intro the scene that we're going to read here. Okay. So we have today a selection from the script. Um, Jack will be reading for Mr. Kelly, uh, a school counselor. Mm-hmm. I, Allison, will be reading Maggie. And then we have Lori on the phone reading our action headings and action throughout the scene. So if everybody's feeling good, Jack, you feeling red leather, yellow leather, red? Yeah? I'm feeling very counselory, <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so Maggie, whenever you're ready, you can start us off. An old metal desk covered with papers waiting to be graded sits at the front of the classroom. One chair is adjacent to the desk. There are brightly colored construction paper cutouts on the bulletin board and about 30 student desks in neat rows. Sam, Mr. Kelly, is grading papers. Maggie knocks on the doorframe. Hey, Maggie, thanks for coming. Maggie walks in and sits in the chair next to the desk. How are you doing? Good. Um, well, you know, what's up? Look, Maggie, I know that the timing isn't great, but I I wanted to make you aware of something. Maggie shifts in her chair, then sits a little taller. Okay. Jason made a comment a couple days ago that has me concerned. What did he say? He said... Sam. What? He said that... He said that when he goes home, there's no one for him to talk to. Oh. Please. Now, please... Don't misunderstand. There is no judgment here. You have done a great job with him. Well, right now it doesn't feel that way. You remember the day that you brought Jason home from the hospital? You were so determined. Your little boy was going to have every opportunity that all the hearing kids had. I remember. And Brian was so freaked out, we almost had an intervention. (laughs) I remember that too. (laughs) It's not unusual for a deaf child from a hearing family to feel... A little isolated from time to time. It usually happens when their sign advances at a quicker rate than the rest of the family. And he's signing so fast. At first, I could keep up, but now... Maggie has a defeatist expression. She stares at her hands in her lap. Maggie, look at me. Maggie looks up, embarrassed. It's normal. What should I do? Well, there's a couple of options. I've noticed that... Jason likes hanging out after school so he can play with some of the other deaf students. Yeah, but the whole reason we got him into the school is so he integrates with both deaf and hearing kids. I want people to see him as much more than just deaf. Like it or not, people are most likely going to identify Jason first and foremost as deaf. Think about it. If, if I'm seen walking down the street, people will identify me as a black man. That's who I am. But if they see me signing, they no longer see my race or gender. All they'll see is a deaf person. But he's just a little boy. I'd like to suggest getting him involved in an after-school program. Maybe a sport. Anything where he's a part of something bigger. You can always look at him getting a tutor and help with his homework. Wait, he's falling behind? Jason's a bright kid, but he's struggling with the reading just a little. He doesn't seem to have the same excitement for learning that he had before Brian died. And now that he's lost his grandmother, well, I, I think we need to get ahead of this. Oh. And, and to help him and you with your social calendar, what do you say the two of you come to dinner Friday night? Lily's brother's in town. It'll be low-key, I promise. Mm-hmm. Maggie begins to refuse, shaking her head now. It'll be like mm-hmm. old times. Bring Shannon. She'll keep the conversation moving. <laughs> Maggie lets out a little laugh. I'm not sure what's on the menu, but I can promise you that it won't be a hot dish. Mm, That sounds nice. Thanks, Sam. Great. I'll see you then. And Maggie, 
things find a way of working themselves out. They always do. All right. Lori, this is so sweet. This whole script is so nice. Thank you. And I'm curious why you guys picked those pages. Oh, Oh, yeah. Well, there's a couple of things in here. Um, First of all, just like bare bones wise, we always need good scenes that two grownups can read. So, Jack, boy, girl stuff helps. Yeah, Yeah. we need men, women things. But then, (laughs) then thematically, I really look for things that have a vulnerable and an emotional snippet of what I, what I, Allison, feel the whole script is about so this idea of maggie kind of being underwater right here like just barely holding on i think comes through a lot in this we talk about the death of her mom we talk about the loss of her husband we talk about the fact that she can't even communicate with her son right now which just breaks my heart and then to make matters worse she's realizing that he's falling behind in school so it's like piling on here but then at the end of this mr kelly throws her a lifeline and he's here for her he's here to help her through it Cool. Yeah. What do you think about that? That in summation, it, it adequately describes the work here. So interesting because um, sometimes at festivals they they will do a table read where they bring in actors of the the finalist scripts and they'll take five pages. And I've never thought to give them those five pages. Ah. From now on, I will. What do you usually oh, give sweet. them? Well. I give them, I think, more of um, snappier dialogue. Yeah. You know, this is very subdued and there's no humor in it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I try to give them something that has a little more range in it. But I totally see why you pick these now that you say that. Yeah, I think it represents the whole really well. Well, and, you know, I don't want us to get bogged down too much in, like, the the story, because Maggie is very much, like Allison said, underwater. There's she, yeah. there's yeah. not a lot going for her, but there is a lot of joy in this film. So much. Especially when the dog comes into I the I love picture. that dog. <laughs> Snap. Snap. So cute. So as Maggie is mourning this loss of her mom and still processing the fact that her husband's gone, she, the phone keeps ringing, and there's a voice at the other end that keeps saying, oh, can I talk to Brian? And she just can't. She can't handle with somebody asking for her husband. Right. She can't deal with it. It's too much. So she hangs up the phone all the time. And finally, this one person gets through and says, hey, I'm so sorry, but actually this man named Brian has a dog for you, for your son. And what's happened is that, um, listeners, Brian, Maggie's husband, before he died, he arranged to have one of these dogs trained specifically for his son so that it would respond to sign language and non or and verbal cues as well and would function highly as um as a, a sign language like comprehensive pet. It's like a hearing ear dog. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's so little beautiful. guide. Is Maggie, is that a thing that specifically with like sign language and dogs? So I don't know if that's the thing. I just remember one of the girls in um, my sign class was telling me that she was, to practice, she was training her dog in both verbal and sign and that he was getting it. And I was like, are you kidding me? Uh-huh. And that's that's where that came from. So I don't even know if that exists, but that's where that came from. Mm-hmm. 
So the other big element that we haven't gotten into yet in the script is this whole adoption thing that Maggie finds out that her mom wasn't the person who gave birth to her. And she's trying to sort of process, A, do I want to find out what's going on here? Why did mom keep this a secret from me? What's the up? I mean, a lot of Mrs. Berg, this family friend, keeps sort of saying, "What's the upside here?" Well, I, I think your mom kept this from you for a reason. Maybe just let sleeping dogs lie. Where, where does any of the, all? There's a lot of adoption stuff here. Where, where does that come from for you? Yeah, oddly enough, I don't even. Um, I thought I didn't even really know anyone who was adopted, and then we were we were doing a table read with um, a bunch of the Denver actors. Um, while I was doing the rewrite, because I, you know, you kind of need to hear it. And, um, and the girl that I asked to read the role of Maggie, when we were done, she said, I, I really relate to this because I was adopted as a baby. (gasps) Everyone's like, what? Gasp. (laughs) (laughs) No kidding. So every note she gave me, I put into the script. What did she say? Like what changed? Uh, she thought that there should be more, um, guilt uh. about about looking for your birth parents, even if, in in this case, her adopted mom is now deceased. But even so, it's almost like um like you're not being respectful to the job they did of raising you. Like you're looking for more. Yeah. And she said that was so difficult for her. But her birth parents really encouraged her to look if she wanted to look. You know, it, like, do not let us get in the way of you doing whatever it is you need to do. And I thought that was fascinating. But, um, yeah, you you know, you <laughs> you don't know why people are the way they are. And Maggie does not understand why her child was born deaf. And it's like one more... I mean, you just try to think of everything. Like, did I do something wrong while I was pregnant? Like, did did I cause this? Is it, what could possibly be the reason? So finding out she's adopted is, in the end, you find out that, oh, this isn't the only person in the family that is deaf. And isn't isn't this kind of a little miracle? So, yeah, yeah I, I don't know. Oh, that part is like so especially wonderful so what ends up happening yeah, is that's that the big ending yeah we have at the end that maggie does reconnect with her birth mother and it comes out that her birth mother is deaf as well so everything gets pulled together the family circle expands and then continues to come together as friends and family uh you know old and new all come together on christmas eve and the birth mother had Maggie very young at 15 mm-hmm. and, you know, was um, pretty much ostracized from her family and had no means of taking care of a hearing child and, um, and gave her up. And which was both the most unselfish thing she could have done. And I mean, who... You can't even imagine, like, how, how is this going to turn out well for anyone? It's just, it ended up being the right decision for her. Um, but had her mom not been deaf, the whole family wouldn't have been able to communicate. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's just so crazy that, you know, now 
even the friends who know some sign enough to, you know, have a little conversation can talk to this latest member of the family, the birth mom, Mm -hmm. because they all know some sign. Right. They can include her and welcome her. Yeah. There's a very sweet little scene also near the end where, so Jason, as he's sort of bouncing back and he's got this dog and he's cleaning his room and he's doing his homework, yeah. he's also involved in the big Christmas pageant at church. Yeah. And that scene that you did where the, he, he's he been sort of secretly working on stuff, he hasn't let mom know what song he's doing, and then the fact that it's going to be its little drummer boy and in the second verse with the bit about do you hear what I hear, when the spotlight hits him, I thought that was an extremely sweet moment. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I um, and I love that the dog is with him. Yeah, and that was a big thing to him to to agree to be a part of the pageant. It was here's this really shy little guy, but he really wanted the spotlight on him, yeah. and that's the only reason he agreed to do it because right. he was going to get a spotlight on him. That's right. And it just sounded like such a kid thing. You know, <laughs> Maggie, there's Maggie, excuse me, Lori, there's a, uh, I, I, I was, uh, was going to do it. Jack does this all the time where we start talking it. to our screenwriters and he makes them the main characters in their it. scripts. Uh, you know, the, the idea of church plays a role in this script, but I wouldn't say that the script is overtly religious. Is that a decision no. that you made? Is that something you did on purpose? Right. Um, right. Because it it was meant to be community mm-hmm. and uh and i think church is community um but i wasn't trying to make it anything more than that mm-hmm. you know I, I wasn't trying to preach anything or suggest anything other than this was part of her community that that surrounded her um so yeah that i wasn't trying to make it more more than that. In terms of community as well, I noticed that the script really highlights a strong network of women relationships. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit just because I find a lot of value in my women relationships and loved yeah. seeing the many interactions of them in this script as well. Well, okay. So <laughs> so I haven't written a ton of scripts, but the ones that I have written are all female leads and female relationships. And um, I feel like there are plenty of people that are doing a great job of writing about men and I don't need, I don't need to help them with that. So, uh, you know, you write what you know. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm writing. And, and a lot of, a lot of what, oh, and people are going to be mad when they hear this, but a lot of times after a conversation, I'll go and make notes. Because I'm like, that's brilliant. I'm going to include that in the script. <laughs> Everybody around you is going to start like well, crafting should, their like, conversations. Oh, no. Yeah, they should be flattered yeah. that there's that you're finding inspiration in them. That's sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, too, this script it it had almost um, a Steel Magnolias like group of women in it, where each of the the characters were so strongly defined. But they play off of each other in just like really beautiful, fun little ping pong, ping pong types of ways. I did love our our busybody next door neighbor. She reminded me of Weezer specifically. From oh, Mrs. Bird. Yeah. yeah, 
It's just wonderful how they all pop in and out, but they hold on to each other and create that lifeline network that really gets Maggie from one thing to the next thing. Yeah, and I think we all know Mrs. Berg, whether her, mm-hmm. you know, whatever her name is, Mrs. Kravitz, whatever. But I think we all know that that lady, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we all have her in our life somewhere where you're like, oh my gosh, she's going to say something about this. Yeah. But in the end, the intent is the intent is pure and good. But man, she has a hard time relating it in a positive way. She's just a tough old broad, you know? This is the part of the interview where all your friends back home are sitting there thinking, is this one me? Is this one, is that who I am? Lori, I'm not Mrs. Berg, right? (laughs) (laughs) One of the things that we haven't talked about yet is the relationship between Maggie and her son Mm -hmm. and how special special and painful of a place it is for these two characters to be miscommunicating um, through these deaths. So could you talk to us a little bit about that relationship in the script? Well, um, and I'm totally speaking out of turn because I don't have kids, but I do have nieces and nephews and whatnot. But um, I feel like, you know, there is a pretty good period of time when a little boy is a little boy. And then there's a switch where uh, that independence starts and they need that freedom and maybe they act out a little bit and maybe they don't need their mom right when they really, really need their mom. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the time for him. And so now that he is not quite a year, but he has been without his father, who I think he's been without his father, but his father was someone in the military who was gone a lot. So he had a father, but not always present. So he's lost his father. And then his, you know, his grandmother, who, of course, would do anything for him, adored him. He could do no wrong. So now the one disciplinary and the one person he has to count on doesn't even understand him. Uh, like literally doesn't understand what he's signing, doesn't understand what he needs. And, you know, she's dealing with her own grief. It is just, it's like the worst of all worlds for both of them. They both need each other so much and, and they are struggling to connect. Do you think that's just the, the grief fog covering both of them? I think that's a huge part of it. Yeah. I mean, it's tough enough that the communication is lacking, but, you know, they're they're both within their own little worlds just trying to make it through the day that it, it's difficult to be there for each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Maggie, of yeah, course. It, as, I'm sorry? Uh, as much as a little boy can, you know, be there for his mom. But, right. you know, there is a mutual support. And, it's just not there. Right. Yeah. That just imagining that like as a, I was going to say as a performer, but just as a person. Well, you know? and you know, you're coming to this from a very specific point of view too with, I mean, you know, things are coming up for you here in a few months and, uh, you know, you're, and just, just as a woman, you're having this, that's well, a very Jack's, specific point Jack's of view. Jack's talking to, I think you're talking about the fact that I'm pregnant. Yeah, so you're talking know, about, I, you, know, <laughs> you don't have to make it weird, When Jack. I started saying the sentence, I wasn't <laughs> sure how public you've been about it. So I was like, no, no I fine. can't be the guy that drops. I mean, that there's, it out there's there. not, you can't be much 
less public than walking around 24 but weeks like, pregnant. In terms of the <laughs> right. show, I wasn't sure if you brought it up on the show or not before. Well, we talked. Whatever. It's okay. Okay. Yeah, we're all good. We're going to cut this whole part out. Yeah, but out. what do you mean, Jack? Uh, Allison's pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> just that you're, you know, you're seeing this relationship that a mother and her child have. Yeah. And, you know, just thinking about, you know, what. Putting myself into it, that It's all space. wide open for you right now. Yeah. Which is a really special place mm-hmm. to be in. And also, I'm just going to throw this in there that, like, I cried multiple times during the script. Yeah. And I'm sure it's because of the script itself, but also... If you're just open to like the emotional stuff that comes up, suddenly you get this dog who responds to sign language yeah. for the little boys struggling in the script. And it's like, he needed the dog for Christmas. He <laughs> needed the dog. <laughs> I love that because for me, um, watching film, reading scripts or books or whatever, for me, the reason I do it is it's an outlet for my emotions. Because a lot of times it's not appropriate to be emotional, and you know? yeah. mm-hmm. and so you're like, you know what? I just I really need to go watch something that's going to make me cry, so I can get yeah. this out of my system. Well, my understanding is that you have a very demanding job as well. You know, you've won an Emmy for your work. You're in a position, it seems, where you need to most of the time keep keep it all together. So getting to flip into this creative writing space, and then you know, talking about reading and watching stuff having that outlet also kind of fuel your soul and your creativity. I can understand that very, very much. Well, and I'll tell you, leaving news and then, you know, my short stint as a firefighter, I felt like going into non-scripted programming and writing and producing and directing films, that kind of stuff was like so non-essential. I mean, I really felt like I wasn't, changing the world, what I did, what I was doing, am doing, wasn't all that important. But then this ER nurse said to me, uh, what you do helps me get through the day. I don't know what I would do if I didn't have that stuff to go home and watch. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh my gosh. Okay, I feel better about what I'm doing. So, you know, we're not all saving the world, but we're all a cog in the machine. Right. And, you know. Everybody plays their part. Yeah. Well, with this script especially, what do you hope you can do with it next? What would you like to see happen with this script? So the dream would be that I could uh, direct it myself and we could uh, get it produced uh, that may or may not happen because there's always this little thing, funding that gets in the way, mm-hmm. but, um, I'd love to see it produced. I am, I've had some conversations that could lead it in a really good direction, but I'm really afraid of it being cheesed. You know, I'm really afraid yeah. of someone taking the script and cheesing it up yeah. for a holiday movie. Yep. I can see that. Yep. It would, so it, it would be too easy it. for someone, so which I don't would be know a shame. what I'm going to do with it. I, yeah, I'd love to have it produced, whether I do it or not. But and and of course, things will be changed in it. But I don't want the tone of it to be changed, and so I'm being I'm holding it a little tight. Yeah. What? Just out of curiosity, what kind of uh, budget range do you in, do you dream for producing this in? It- oh gosh, and we have talked about that. So if we wanted to do it like flipping gorgeous with like really nice names attached and whatnot. I mean, I think we could do it for a million. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
but honestly, uh, yeah. Well, we haven't broken it down price-wise yet because we haven't had to because no one's knocking on the door with their bag of cash. Mm-hmm. So, um, but we have done uh, we have done a lot of films on little or no budget because we have a team, you know, right. that wants to do it and everyone is on board and whatnot. But uh, I. I I don't want to be asking people to work for free on this big of a project. So it would take a, a lot of time. So the answer is I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, and there, uh, there's some, some fairly unique challenges in the script in terms of, I mean, the, the, the animal, the dog is one thing. And then even having yeah. a number of characters in the cast signing, signing and specifically a child uh, who right. can yeah. act and sign also. Well, and, and it would be really important to me to, of course, this is why I'd have to let it go. Cause, but I would really want a deaf child mm-hmm. that acts. I would not want a hearing child that learns sign then then acts. I would want that child to be to represent exactly who he is. Yeah. Right. So, because it makes me crazy when you know they'll have one ethnic group pretend that they're another one. You're like, yeah. Why didn't you just hire? The right ethnicity, but but I digress. Well, that's kind of, that kind of stuff makes me crazy too. Which also, just as a caveat, I even want to take this opportunity to say that Jack is white and yeah. red for a black character I earlier in the show. We usually put a Mr. warning Kelly. on that sort of we thing. We do, yeah, and we forgot this. Time. I forgot Mr. Kelly was black, also. Yeah, but so yeah, we're not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you're okay there. Okay, and and you know, I just wanted to ask too: Do you find social work becoming more a part of your creative work? Um, you know this has a lot of your personal social causes wrapped up in it. And I just wondered if you yeah. saw it is saw your work turning that way. Hmm. That is a great, so many question. hard hitters for me tonight. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I write about things that are, well, that I, again, that I know, um, we did a film called If Not Now that is still in festivals, but it has done pretty well. And it is about two sisters dealing with their mother's dementia. Mm. And, you know, it is shocking how many people will come up and then want to relay their own personal story because now someone has finally given them an outlet to feel it freely, speak about it without, you know, without being embarrassed or whatever. But, I, I, I often say, you know, I, it's fine if our film doesn't win a festival, but I want it to be the conversation. Yeah. yeah. I want that film to be what people are talking about in the lobby, even if it doesn't do anything at the festival. So uh, I think it's, you know, it's taking that very personal story and, and just relating it and letting other people know, yeah, you're not the only one who thinks these things are going through these things. So, Well, that's, that's a, an especially important message to just continue to share during the holiday season mm-hmm. when people can feel isolated and alone. So much of the yeah. holidays, too, yeah. is about being somewhere yeah. and being with people, and not everybody has someone to be with, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, and just because you're with people doesn't mean you don't feel alone. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. true, too. Right. 
Gosh. Well, how, Lori, could somebody get a hold of you if they were interested in talking to you about your work and specifically about this script? So I am part of um, a film group. There's three of us, and it's called BS Filmworks. And my two partners' names are Brock and Scott. There so that's is. where the BS comes <laughs> from. I was sitting here looking at Jack like, does she know that stands for <laughs> bullshit? Does well, she? BS Filmworks and, um, yeah, BSFilmworks.com. <laughs> you guys are so cheeky. Going. Yeah. So you can, get, you can get a hold of me that way. Okay, BS Filmworks. Great. Yeah. Yep. Okay, and Lori, it's been wonderful talking to you about this script um, and getting to know a little bit more about you. So thank you for taking time to be with us. Yeah, thanks. Well, thank you. And I'll tell you guys, I love Cincinnati. I ran (gasps) the Flying Pig a couple years ago. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, come back. Come see us. Oh, and I went to this train station. I'm like, oh, I love this place. Yeah, the museum center, I think. Oh, yeah, Yeah, that that one is so beautiful, too. Thank you for the shout-outs to Cincinnati. We think it's a great place as well. Yeah, it was wonderful. Yeah. Lori, thank you very much for your time. This is, It's a really pretty script, and I hope uh, people can discover how nice it is if, if they listen to the show. They really should. Well, I really appreciate you guys uh, taking the time with me and, and letting me blab. So yeah, thank you, you. You're great. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Merry <laughs> Christmas. Here we go. That was so nice. You know, there's certain times when you have guests coming on and like you're meeting people for the first time and like especially if you're aware of like something that they've done or created, you get like an idea in your head about how you think that they might be. Yeah. And like there's a lot of times when you're surprised it's really nice, but there's other times when you're like, boy, that person's every bit as like nice and thoughtful as I would want her to be after what I just read. I love it too when you when you get a script and you read it and then like you're saying you're talking to that person yeah. and they feel exactly like their wonderful work that they sent you. Yeah. As an artist, that's a wonderful like stand up that the work you're putting out there feels like you and yeah. what's coming out of yeah, you. Yeah, you're right. You know. Um what are you doing for the holidays? Uh, I am going to be here in Cincinnati. I know I'm going to be working a little bit. I think I'm probably going to be, I've got some family here, not Mm -hmm. direct family, but there's some family here in town. And then my boss is always really good about inviting me over to his house too, like in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. You? Um, Philip and I are flying to my family's place in Texas. Yeah. yeah, Y'all are heading out. Yeah. It's going to be fun though. Uh, you know, Lori mentioned being one of seven and I'm one of eight. Yeah. So we'll have the, the, Bumpus family Christmas at <laughs> <laughs> my parents' house. Everybody will make fun of me for not drinking. And Do you guys have the hounds, or does your dad scream at the neighbors next door with the hounds? He definitely screams at the neighbors next door with the hounds. That's that's how it is. Bumpus! <laughs> and then, um, you know, Frank was way quiet, but Frank, what oh, do you yeah. guys do for the holidays? Hey, Frank, you got kids and a family and everything, right? No, he doesn't. No. He doesn't have any kids. Oh. He has a wife. I thought he had kids. Well, let's make him some imaginary ones. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, Frank. I thought you had kids. <laughs> No, we're just uh, low-key. Um, her parents are in... Uh... <laughs> Jack's so embarrassed right now. <laughs> like, that's a horrible thing to think of somebody. Like, We've to, been working to be together since about. the beginning of September, uh, if right. not mid-August. All right, Frank and your kidless family that I didn't know about. <laughs> I didn't take an interest enough. That's all right, fine. Frank, please, tell, tell us what your plans are for Christmas. Anyway, uh, super low-key. Uh, her parents live in town, so do mine, so... Um. Two birds doing. with one stone. That sounds great, doesn't Super it? Super low key. That's right. Yeah. It, it's easier when they live in separate towns, I think. Oh. Uh, like in terms of balancing your time? Yeah. 
and just you feel pulled in all kind of directions. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. when they're both like very close to each oh, other. Oh sure, I well, get that. I, I get that too because Phillips, his parents live in North Carolina, so we just have to be be very specific about like, well, we're going here this time mm-hmm. and we're going there next time. We don't have to share the holiday or anything. I've eaten many um, Thanksgiving dinners twice in one day. Oh, man. <laughs> Frank, what do you propose I do for the presents that I got for your kids? Um, I'll take them. Okay. Well, I like toys. I hope you like, because uh, I, I assume you had girls for some reason, so I've got what would be traditionally girl-themed presents that are already, I'm just going to have to Just save them, them for my else. baby. She's yeah. going to be a girl. That's true. There All you right. go. Frank, I really feel terrible that I had that so wrong. I'm glad this is how we're ending the Christmas Ugh. episode yeah, right? because I love the two of you guys and I love doing this show together Learning so much. Learning things about each other at Christmas time. Let's make that the new end credit. No, not, no. <laughs> no, we're not doing that. Uh, great. Listeners, thank you. Yeah, thanks a lot, y'all. You know the drill. Uh, scriptshopshow.com slash submit if you yep. want to turn stuff into us. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, we're all over that. Yep. Script Shop Jack on Twitter. She's your bestie, Westy. On Twitter. Allison West. And, um, um, and Merry, Merry Christmas. Happy Holidays. Yeah. Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope everybody has a, has a nice one. Until next week, that's a wrap. That's a gift wrap. Oh. Boom. Boom. Script Shop was created by Allison West. Hosted by Allison West and Jack Crumley. Produced by Frank Steele. Thanks to iHeartMedia Cincinnati for use of their studio. Intro music, Retro Soul by bensound.com. Outro music by purple-planet.com. Special thanks to all our guests. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.